In this episode of the Business of E-Commerce, I talk with Noah Kagan. This is the Business of E-Commerce, episode 102. Welcome to the Business of E-Commerce, the show that helps e-commerce retailers start, launch, and grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Charles Plesky, and I'm here today with Noah Kagan. Noah is the Chief Sumo at Sumo.com, where they help e-commerce retailers grow their email list. Previously, Noah was employee number 30 at Facebook, number four at Mint, and also worked at Intel. He's an expert in marketing and growth hacking, and just like myself, he loves eating tacos. So hey, Noah, how are you doing today? Um, today, today was actually a really good day. I did oh, yeah? boxing in the morning, floating, float tank we talked a little bit about, and now uh, just getting into the office. Yeah, and so the float tank is you float in the darkness, right? Completely in this tank. Yeah, so I actually, it's, it sounds strange when you say it to like your parent or to probably someone listening. It's like you get butt naked in a room and you get in a box, kind of like seems like a coffin, and then it's quiet and you're floating on basically super salty water for an hour. And you, you pay money for this. So people, yeah, if you're not used to this concept, you're like, yeah, and I paid to do all this. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you say that. So it's 75 bucks for an hour. I mean, maybe it's different. You can get them on Groupon, actually. If you're looking for it, get a, go look up Groupon uh, if you want to do it first time. But I actually thought about my handyman. Uh, I had a handyman working on the house yesterday, and I was like, yeah, it was him, and it was like his apprentice, his cousin. And I was thinking about them in the in the float, and I was like, they must think this is so. Can I swear? Can uh, we, swear? Yeah, we could bleep it out. So don't worry just about be it. Child friendly. Yeah. This is so friggin' weird. Like I was just imagining <laughs> them being like, hold on, you paid what you pay us in a few hours, you pay to sit in water and do nothing, and do nothing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's a very, all these things are very tough to explain to other people and why you pay to do nothing. Um, I feel like that's kind of partially like the mental game of entrepreneurship in all of this, right? Where you're like so busy throughout the day and you literally have to then pay to not be busy, which just seems bizarrely counterintuitive. Well, I think that's actually a common problem with most business owners trying to grow. And what, what I mean by that is that there's this balance of like, I want to do everything myself or should I hire someone else to go do it? And then what's worth the money? Yep. Uh, like I was talking with a, a young entrepreneur yesterday over dinner and it's like, yeah, I'm going to do all these things myself. And I was like, all right, well, let me know how it goes. Uh, you don't really see most like, you know, restaurant owners or e-commerce store owners or Amazon. Jeff Bezos ain't packing boxes. Yeah. But, <laughs> but at the beginning, how do you get around? Because I see people go the other way, right? There's folks that kind of when they're starting off, they do everything themselves or there's other folks that try to do nothing themselves and they want to be, you know, the CEO with the title but they don't want to get their hands dirty. So I've seen, I usually see people starting off go to one of the two extremes, which is... Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I, I can only speak from my own experience. Like when we started AppSumo about 10 years ago, um, I, I intentionally did everything myself just so I could understand everything. Yeah. And I think that's the better way. What, I've, what I think is a common trap, a lot of business owners that are getting going are entrepreneurs. They're like, they make a product, like so they got it from China or they made it in America and they invented something, which is really cool. And that's really fun. And then they, they always, they say this line, not always, but they mostly say this line, I need a marketer. Yeah. <laughs> Noah, come growth hack it. And I'm like, one, I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, and two, you, you, you have a crappy product. Yeah. And, uh, and then, you know, it's just, um, and I think, I think especially in the beginning, you have to figure out the sales, you have to figure out the marketing, you have to do the support, you have to do the creation. And then over, and then, you know, as it's working, you know, the only way you're really going to grow a business is hiring other people or hiring software. So would you say it's time to grow 
once you kind of have the engine going, like you can't, the, the goal isn't to hire someone to build the engine for you. The goal is you build the engine and then you hire someone to run the already moving engine and you kind of move to the next thing. Yeah, I'll tell you something weird I heard very early on when I started uh, in tech. And it was a friend of mine and he said, if you really want to grow your business, you can't do work anymore. Yeah. And I was like, what are you talking about? I can't do any work anymore. I like, I mean, like, I have to work, right? And I'm supposed to be working and, and, and all these things. He said, well, it, to grow a business, you can't be doing the work. And there's like, a, and that's kind of stuck with me for the past years. Um, and I, I think there's two two ways of looking at that. One, I think you have to find the place that you really love doing, right? And so if you like packing boxes, then do the packing boxes and hire everything else around it. Um, but I think uh, ultimately it's like, if you find something that's working, like, hey, this product works, go find the people that are better than you at that uh, and let them go do it. And you just spend your time on the thing you want to do. But what do you, at the very beginning, because there's, there's, there's so much work, right? Like, so 10 years ago, um, you launched the business. It was, was it called Sumo 10 years ago? Or was it under a different uh, name? Sumo was 10 years ago. We've launched a few products since then. Okay, so, but they're all the products under the parent company. Sumo, Sumo, right? Sumo Group. Okay, so when you launched 10 years ago, you weren't at the point where you could just go and hire a developer full-time or, you know, you couldn't just hire what you needed. So what do you do at that point to actually get that first thing moving? Yeah, so you actually can hire. I just think people don't think creatively. Like I, I'm talking to this guy yesterday, and he's like, "Yeah, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do that." I'm like, well, "What can you do?" I'm like, "Your parents really messed you up with like this, like, <laughs> like critical, skeptical, like, oh, just you know, it's not going to work attitude." And you know, I have that sometimes, uh, but I think it really is about thinking, all right, well, what can I do? What is the solution? Like we have we have sumoisms we say at our company, and one of the sumoisms. We have four of them. One of them is we can do anything. And obviously, I'm probably not going to dunk a basketball, and I'm probably not going to be able to fly. Uh, but I think that is a sumoism for us, which is like, all right, well, how can we do it? Yeah. And really trying to come in and approaching things. So when I started out, I did all the, the, the deals for six months. And people then, well, how do you know when you have a product market fit? You, you just, you really do know. Yeah. And for me, it was like, well, I know if I can get more products promoted on AppSumo, the business will grow. So I kind of looked at what was my biggest limiter and it was a salesperson to be able to go find more products so that I can promote them. And then I kind of just went down the list and people might think, well, it's expensive. It's like, well, I paid him on commission. Okay. And then for a developer, uh, I, you know, had one developer, I just kind of paid him in dinners. <laughs> a little, I mean, dinners like food. Yeah. I mean, now okay. this guy's a famous developer, uh, really well known in San Francisco, but he like, I met him through a friend. I was like, Hey, I'm working on this thing. You know, is, I don't have, I'm not making a lot of money with it. Can I be creative with you in any way to help you, you know, help you help me do this? And then my business partner now actually works for free for six months. Wow. Um, and it's not, oh, wow, no, you must be like this master negotiator. I'm a terrible negotiator. I want everyone to get what they want. And so I was just like, here's what I'm trying to do. If it works out as it's starting to work out, um, you know, I can give you a part of it and then I can pay you later. The other thing uh, that I want to really highlight is people are getting started or people are getting going. It's much easier to convince others if you have momentum. Yes, that, 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 that's big right there. I'm getting that initial saying, thing going. You're like, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, come like work for me. I'm like, well, who are you, bozo? Yeah. Um, but hey, I've got AppSumo, and this is back in the day. No one knew AppSumo, and now it's a pretty known brand. You'd tell people like, um, hey, I've, I've already sold like half a million dollars or whatever it was. It's doing really well. Like you should come be a part of this movement. 
Yeah, I think that's it right there where you already had something going and you're saying, let's be part of this together versus saying, I have an idea, go execute my idea. Basically you're saying, go do my idea for me versus saying, I have an idea, it's already, the engine's already moving, the, you know, the train's going down the tracks, just let's get on the train together. The, uh, yeah, exactly. And, and then, you know, it's an evolution of hiring. Like now when I'm hiring, I've, I've gotten to a point where like, I actually want to find people that just blow me away. How big and, is the team now? Uh, I don't really know the size. Okay. <laughs> uh, but originally, I was like, look, do you have a brain and can you type on a keyboard? All right, I can probably teach you. Uh, and now I'm really looking to be around people that are teaching me. And, th- and I think that's an evolution of a business where, you know, there's the Netflix question, which I think is, is a great one. It's like if you had to start the company over or if your competitors were to hire someone, like who would you be re- like, who would you take with you or who would you not want your competitor to have? And, and that's, so those are the people, when did you start hiring that? When did that flip, right? Like, cause at the beginning, you're basically happy to have someone work for you versus at some, at some point you're trying to go the other way and find people who are more qualified to you than you do X, right? Like when yeah. did that happen and kind of the evolution? Well, I think one thing for a lot of people who are running stores online, uh, like your listeners and your customers, um, it is a function of how much time you're, you're putting into looking for these people. So I like, part of me is like, I'm still looking. One, I get excited meeting really impressive people. So that's probably why I still look. But it should be a, a significant part of your week. So if you are looking to grow your business, like look at how your week has been spent. Like I'll look at a pie chart of your week in hours and think about how much did I spend looking or meeting interesting people. And and that really is a key thing about how you are going to grow your business. Uh, eventually, you get to a size, where, you know, we're starting to become a size where we have a full-time person just doing recruiting. Because uh, literally at the end of the day, it's, mostly just the people it's not steve jobs it's the people and you know it's not uh, elon musk it's his people yep so for me i had i would say people in the beginning like they were just affordable um i think i hired my first salesperson probably six months in and then a support person was my girlfriend at the time like three months in and then i had a writer no joke my writer was a 16 year old kid from bulgaria like he would write the, the copy for our products and our emails. So you can imagine he didn't speak English very well, but Nikolai was awesome. He's awesome. I still, I still love this guy. Um, and so you think you got to figure out how do you can be scrappy. I think one of the challenges I noticed, and I don't have kids, but if you have kids and a wife, it's definitely, uh, or husband, it's really hard, right, to allocate that time to getting the business going. And so it's just like, how do you prioritize or what are you going to sacrifice um, to make that a reality? Yeah, that's one of the things until you have, a family you don't realize is, you know, when you're younger that you can basically work unlimited time, right? You can work a hundred hours a week. It doesn't really matter. But with a family, you have certain things you have to do. There's a certain, there's a stop time. There's a start time. You have to drive the kids to school. You can't just, you know, ignore them. So it definitely makes it more challenging <laughs> once it like, I mean, you can't ignore them. I guess you could. Yeah. You just want to be a bad, bad parent. <laughs> yeah. What you were saying about the product market fit, do you feel like that's a, like a, a switch that turns on and off or is it like a gray area that is evolving because you always hear of it as like this switch, like you found product market fit, but is it really that or is it an evolution? It's kind of like the the question is like, when do you quit? I, I think what I've observed, so I've been doing like tech company stuff like 20 years, give or take. And I've seen a lot like Facebook and mint.com and AppSumo, sumo.com and, you know, just been around it and, and experienced a lot. And I'm still learning, right? I think you have to keep an attitude that you don't know everything. But I, I think there's basically two ways of addressing it. There's the push method and the pull method. And so I think there's stuff that needs to be iterated on. 
right? That like maybe your first one's in the perfect. Like most of the first versions of products we love today look like crap. Facebook look like crap. Uh, iPhone look like crap. Skype still looks like crap. Uh, you know, you know still, still working on that. Jesus, these guys need some help. But uh, so I think what I'm saying is that there's a push versus a pull. So what I mean by that is that when you're going to the person that you think should be buying your product, are you pushing it on them or are they pulling it from you? And that's what it is at the end of the day. Because uh, I, I don't ever, I love like not selling, but educating people if I believe it's something that they really need. And I think when, when we create things, we're like, we create it in isolation. And that, and this is a, the unfortunate part. People spend 90% creating it and then 10% promoting it. And it's like, well, why don't you spend 50-50? And then in that thing, you need to understand like, hey, are people really asking and excited for what I'm working on? Or are they just not interested whatsoever? I mean, I can tell you about a specific like software product that we've worked on um, and how we've kind of created it around that. Yeah, I think that's helpful because that concept of when people are coming coming to the Duoverse, are you going out and knocking on doors? It's a very, it's a switch that kind of happens all of a sudden and you're like, oh, that felt different. So what, like, yeah, think, what's that like? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think about that with, uh, if you're single, I've never had like a uh, attractive person to show up my door and be like, I want to date you. <laughs> I'm not saying that, you know, a pool still, you have still have to go out and put out, be out there and asking, but we, we, um, so we've created our product sumo.com, which is mostly for Shopify stores. Uh, but it's an email capture tool and we kind of got our asses beat in a lot of different ways by privy and Clavio and drip and and a lot of these different companies, uh, in the e-commerce space on Shopify and, and other platforms. And that was pretty discouraging. You know, we had this audience, we had this lead, we had a lot of people knowing about us and using us and, you know, from numerous mistakes internally, um, we, we've not done well. So we kind of had to come back to the drawing board and figure out what the hell can we do? We can't build a better pop-up right now. We can't out email market Clavio or MailChimp, uh, or drip. You're sp- sponsored by drip this show, yep. um, or SendFox, which is another tool. Um, and so we said, well, what's the next, what is the thing that the ideal customer that we're looking for really struggling with? And what they're actually struggling with was not uh, capturing emails. It was not having an email tool. It was actually like what emails to send and when can I send them? So we're like, oh, well, if we just sent the emails, if we just like wrote the emails and sent it for them, how would that compare to like them having to figure everything out themselves? Uh, and so okay. then we kind of went, what's that? Yeah. Okay. So you, you guys prepackaged the emails. We went further than that. So we started going to people we knew that ran stores. So we went to this guy named Nick Bear from Bear Performance Nutrition. Um, and we've done email marketing for a long time, so we have some expertise in it. Uh, we went to a few other stores, Caffeine and Kilos, these, these people that we knew we've had good relationships with. And we're like, hey, can we just do your email marketing for you and then just pay us 5% of whatever we help sell? And we'll just And we just used their email software. So they didn't have to change anything. And they're like, you're going to just do all the stuff for me? I'm like, yeah. And then you don't have to pay anything unless we perform. And you can approve every email. So there's really no downside. And we did that for about a month. And then for all the customers we worked with, we doubled their revenue on their e-commerce stores. And, I was, and they were like, hey, can you keep doing it? I was like, all right, that's cool. So what I'm saying by that is that I didn't go and spend three months to six months creating something and then having to go to these guys and be like, hey, can, are you guys interested in using it? I went to them, proved something right away very quickly, and then we were able to replicate that with software, which we're launching, um, I don't know when the show comes out, but it launches October 16th called meetfam.com. And the idea is for these- What what does that spell that again? Meetfam, M-E-E-T, fam.com. 
I probably, you know, you know, as I said that, I probably need to buy meatfam.com. Like, a meat. <laughs> I wonder if that's taken. Anytime you say a domain, you got to just go buy it. Right. Dang, it's bought in, like, Korea. This is, this is. All right. Anyway. <laughs> Check it out right now. Yeah. Like, these guys got it. Anytime you say a domain, go to buy the domain right away. Yep. And so uh, we launched. So we spent, then we spent three months in tandem after we found that people were really excited about it. Uh, building meat fam and it's just for Shopify right now, but it is an it's an automatic email product So it basically gives every small e-commerce store their own email marketer for free And so that was in terms of a push versus pull um, I think there's a little bit like well was anyone asking you for it? No, but when I went to them and said hey, do you want us to do email marketing? They're like hell yes, and then when we doubled their revenue, they're like just keep doing it Versus I think a lot of times especially with like physical products um it does get hard because you want to spend all this time making something really cool and then you go to people and they're like, eh, it's okay. It's a lot harder to test when you have to actually go and place a order, right? Like the te- I love what you do with the testing, right? On you basically, instead of even writing a line of code, you were able to get out there and start doing the thing your software would eventually do, but with people. And, you know, it's a lot easier to try that versus going out and saying, all right, we're going to spend a year in development and then see if we did it right. Versus the way you did it, you can just find out you know, in a couple hours of, is this even working? You know, do people, are they even interested? Um, and, well, and a lot of people, I, I, I know there's listeners out there, Charles, who are saying, well, I have a physical product, which is different. And I am, I'm a unique snowflake. And of course you are. I'm sure your mom and dad, <laughs> you're, you're the best. But, it, you know, even with the physical product, you can go to people and see if they're going to buy it and say, hey, I'm building, here's a drawing. And I've, I've done this. Like, I did it on, like on the Tim Ferriss show a long time ago where I, someone had a wooden toothbrush he made and I said, Hey, does anyone want to buy it? Send me $25 in PayPal to this guy's PayPal address. I think he got like a thousand dollars in PayPal. Like obviously we're on a show, but a lot of people wanted it. And I think there's a way of doing that. What the next thing that people use as an excuse is that, well, I don't really have the product. How am I going to deliver it? And, or how am I going to make it? I've always believed it's much easier to deliver when you have the money and the customers already committed. You'll go, if you can't solve that, you should just give up <laughs> versus I'm going to go spend all this time making it and then hopefully put it on Amazon and pray uh, that it's going to get a lot of sales, which is not, it's unrealistic and it's not likely to happen. Yeah. And now you can, there's so many clever ways of doing exactly what you just said. Like uh, we had a chat from boardgametables.com on here and they launched a Kickstarter and they then used the Kickstarter to go build the tables. So it's one of those things they're able to come up with the idea show it, get the money up front, and then go produce the tables and send them later on. So you're able to test and find out. And if the Kickstarter doesn't work, you would know very quickly, hey, this wasn't what people want. So you don't even need to go and do all that work up front. It just allows you to test. Even with physical products, you can do that now. Yeah, I mean, you can draw something out. And I think one of the things I just want to highlight is just, it's all about expectation. And it's just like, hey, I'm going to sell this product. I'm working on it. And if you buy it today, and I'm going to try to deliver it within six months. And the beauty of that is that if people don't buy it, guess what? You didn't waste all this money in research time. But um, if you do, if they do like it, guess what? Now you can go, like, now you're off to the races. Why do you think people are not doing that? Like, do people not, because is, is, do people not know that's the right, the right way to do it? Or do they know, but it's hesitant to do it for some reason? So... When's your, where's your next vacation to, Charles? Uh, you know, I don't know if I have one planned just yet, actually. I just got back from Florida, and I have to plan another oh, one. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, you and the missus were just in Florida. Let, yep. Let's just – there's two different ways of getting to Florida. One way from Boston is you can drive south. Yes. 
right. <laughs> Another way to get there is look on a map, figure out what city, which city you guys go to? Uh, by south of Miami. South of Miami. You were in Miami Beach. You had the Ferraro and the Ferrari were there. Um, but you probably flew and you picked a map and then you found a hotel and you planned it out. Um, I think it's kind of there's not necessarily a great framework for people starting businesses where they're just like, I'm going to kind of do stuff and hopefully it happens. Um, you know, I've put together frameworks that we've used and, and uh, you know, I think we had a course back in the day. We don't sell it anymore. But basically, it's just like go get people at this. Sh- in this in the shortest answer is go validate that people will give you money, actual money for it. That's all you have to do. The reality, though, is that that's scary. Yeah. And so yeah. I've always you know, encouraged people to do like the coffee challenge, which is you go to a coffee store and you just ask for 10 percent off. And they're like, oh, I asked for something. I got rejected. It's fine. And that's really a parallel you're going to have to do in business. Um, but most people, it feels better. And it's safer to do that at home while I'm working on this product for six months and I've spent $5,000 and I still don't have a customer. And then hopefully when I launch, there's going to be someone there that cares. But I think the, the easy short answer to what you asked is like, why do people do it that way? Because it's easier. Uh, it's not as effective, but it feels like you're, you're making progress. Yeah. So for me, I've always been like almost every one of our successful businesses has been done in under a month. And this is like, and I think we're at our fourth or fifth multi-million dollar business. So I don't make that as a bragging thing. It's just, it's more, we've done a lot of things that didn't work so that we can find the things that do work. What's the ratio of businesses? So you've launched four or five successes, but what's the ratio of ones that kind of petered out? And they might've even been, it sounds like when you're testing like this, they might've never even become like a business air quotes. Yeah. They might've just been an idea. You talk to someone and realized no one wants this. Like, wh- how often does that happen? Yeah, I'm trying to think of the, the latest one that's happened. It happens kind of along the way, like as we're doing some of these things. So I'll just tell you, we, we, that, this pro- that product I told you about where we do these, the e-commerce email marketing called meetfam.com. You like how I just plugged it, meetfam.com? Yeah, no, yeah. So we actually spent before that, so there's, on the sumo.com team, there's about 10 developers. So let's just say each developer makes 10000 uh, a month, that's $100,000 a month. And so for about four and a half months, we tried to copy Clavio and create like our own Clavio version. And after four and a half months of not really having any customers, we, we thought AppSumo was going to use it because AppSumo uses Clavio. But after four and a half months, we're like, wow, this is not an inspired direction. This is something we didn't really get any other customers. We just got AppSumo. Um, and at the end of the day, even if we got AppSumo, this really doesn't seem like it's going to be ROI profitable for us uh, in the long term. And so, but that was four months uh, this year. So how much is that? $400,000 trying to create something that was like a a complete flop. Mm, Wow. So you've so I'm guessing you've had multiple of these along the way in the past 10 years. I'm going to have more uh, along the, um, I'm going to have more in the future. I, it's the idea is how do you reduce the amount of money or time to get to the understanding of what people actually want? I think a key thing that, you know, I was thinking in the float tank and I'm thinking in general is excuse me, is what's the goal? What are we actually trying to accomplish? Not necessarily the vision, like, hey, I want to get to the moon or I want to be the number one of this, but like, what's the goal? And I think that kind of should dictate a lot of the the different actions that businesses are doing. Uh, And I think we make mistakes with that, but it's like, if you have a goal, then really every decision is, does this move the goal forward? Or if it's not, probably shouldn't be doing that stuff. Are you talking a monetary goal or like what, by goal, what do you mean by that? Exactly. It should be, it could be a number of customer goal. It could be a number of products sold goal. It could be a revenue goal. It could be a how many people work for you goal. It could be a number of things donated goal. 
generally revenue is a really nice one. Um, and so in one of our business units, SendFox, which is email marketing for content creators, it's going to be a number of customers goal. I'm not as focused on maximizing the revenue. I'm focused on how do we get as many people using the product and liking it. Uh, so that's what we're focusing on this year and moving into next year. Gotcha. Yeah. And so well, I can give you another example of goals. People always seem to love goal examples. Yeah. Well, because uh, most, most people go immediately to money, but I think there's a lot of other, you know, monthly revenue, whatever it is. But I think there's a lot of other goals you can make a little more abstract yeah. number of customers. I think when I've realized with goals and so I have, you know, I have my own show and I've done helped a lot of people start their companies and I've helped a lot of people wreck their companies. Uh, <laughs> one of the things I've found, which is interesting is you ask someone their goal and they're like, yeah, I've got a goal. I'm like, all right, what's your goal? And they're like, my goal is this. It's to be better. I'm like, your goal is to be better. I'm like, okay, when are you going to be better by soon? Okay. How are you going to know you're going to, how, how are you going to know when you're there? I'll feel it. And I just don't do, I, I, that's never worked for me. And I think a lot of people, I, like, I don't know if that works. I don't know if that works for anyone. It does. Well, the thing that's weird is that no one thinks they're doing it, but everyone does it. Yeah. I've, I've literally probably eight out of 10 businesses run that way. Oh yeah. We're just growing. I think that the, that most effective businesses are saying, I want to be at this point by this time. And that is everything I measure myself against. And then I set quarterly or monthly plans with KPIs and I can talk more specifically about how we structure our stuff to be able to get there. It's the same thing as you going to Florida. I want to get to Florida. Here's my plan. I'm going to start executing my plan. Guess what? It's not working. All right, let's, let's rejigger it. All right. And eventually you get to your goal. Yeah. Yeah. I think, so what I've always done for that, and I don't know if I've heard other people with this is I have them all in a spreadsheet and it's the only file on my desktop and that's it. So I just sit there and it's the goal. And literally I just open it occasionally. And I mean, it's the only file on my desktop, so I kind of have to see it. And you just kind of know what's there and you're able to change it over time. And once you get to that month, it's usually there's a time frame attached. And once you get there, you kind of change it. But having that just one thing on the desktop makes you look at it and review it. And it's very, uh, it's in your face all the time. What's your goal? It's always in monthly revenue and it's always X number of months out. Um, and it's usually revenue based. And how often are you hitting your goal versus missing your goal? I'd say 75% hitting. Um, we miss, it's usually, usually if it's a miss, try to hit it next month sort of thing. So it's usually multiple months out. And then when you're missing it, I think one thing I'm, I'm always curious about is like, what, what, how, how did you guys miss? Like what happened when you missed? Usually let's say there was a, for recurring revenue business, a bunch of users might've left that were unexpected um, or just less there's certain months that we just know are going to be less uh less inbound interest that sort of thing so if you don't even make the goal correct for that month if you don't if you don't base the goal based on the month um from past history so for example i know in e-commerce nobody adds anything new in december it's just not in just not buying news in december you're kind of locked down you're not actually implementing new software so don't have a very ambitious goal for december i kind of as far as new signups just because not many people not many people in their right mind are saying, hey, let's change out our automation system or email marketing system on, you know, right around the holidays. So things like that, I've just learned to just make the goal a little less aggressive in those months. There's definitely, I think, something that we're trying to figure out in our business is like, how do you look at year to year performance so you can understand trends? But I think one thing is like, what, how can you actually impact your goal? Because I think what I've noticed with goals is that it's good to have a goal, which is the big thing, have a timeline. But a lot of people choose metrics that are not controllable. 
And then they're kind of at the mercy of, oh, well, I hope Google sends me customers this month. And I hope Amazon doesn't change my rankings. And I hope that Shopify you know, performs. And so I've tried to figure out more in our business, how do we have more proactive metrics? So it's more, okay. like, all right, how many blog posts do we put up a month? Because guess what? No matter what, I can control how many blog posts go up. I can control how many emails we send out requesting links, which we don't even do that. But that's another example. I can, I can choose how many products we launch. I can choose how many emails I cold email for getting new customers. So I think that's something that I guess I'm curious for you. Like if your goal is off, like how do you fix it? Yeah, so you put, so you put, your goals are always based on what you're doing, not the, re, not the result, the input. Well, so for example, let's just, let's break it down. So like for meetfam.com, we're launching October 16th, it's probably live by the time, it's gonna be live by the time this comes out, I think. So uh, meetfam's goal, we started in May. The goal this year was to generate $1 million for our partners. So let's say that you're using meetfam on your store. We wanted collectively to generate for you and everyone who's using it a million bucks. Which is like, I mean, it's pretty cool to like help people make a million dollars. I guess a billion's cooler, but let's just take a minute. Um, you got to start so somewhere with a million. Yeah. <laughs> and so then we map that out, right? We say like, all right, every month, how much revenue do we need to be making? Like, let me pull it up. So every month, how much do we need to be making for these customers? And then from there, it's like, well, how many customers do we need to reach out to and to, to potentially get a customer like that, that can actually generate the amount of money we need each customer to be generating? And so it's like, well, we can contact more people. And so I, I think in general, I just, in business, don't like hope. Mm. I like surprises in my birthdays, but not in my business. <laughs> so, your, so your goal then is based on, your goal is just a number of, here's how many customers we're gonna reach out to per month. And, you know, and then you kind of extrapolate out, if we do that, we'll get here by this date, if we just hit this number. Yeah, my goal is the amount of revenue generated per month. So each month I have a target about how much revenue we need to be generating. And then to control that revenue, it's like, well, how many customers do we need to be having? So each month there's a target and what can we control or influence to be able to get that amount of customers? So in, in we're in, are we in September? In September, we need 48 customers. As it turns out, we were able to generate the amount of our target revenue, which is around 190 or so for the month. We're able to do that with like 20, I think around 20 customers. So we, we didn't need to necessarily focus on getting more customers. It was like, all right, well, how do we make better emails? Um, but that's basically have a goal, have a plan around it, see what you can influence, and then keep adjusting along the way. I like that. How, what have, for the past, so you've been doing this for 10 years now. Like, supposedly, dude. Supposedly. Yeah, <laughs> supposedly. But how have you done it for this long? Because I feel like this, this isn't a story you hear very often. There's a few folks that have been, you know, in it for quite a long time, but most of the time you don't hear people 10, 15 years in the software world. We seem to live in a very, I don't know, short market and people kind of do something quick, sell, and then, I don't know, go go off on a boat or something. But how have you been doing it? Love it? Yeah. Voting? I love voting. <laughs> so maybe I, we'll I, sell at some point and we'll go off on a boat. No, uh, well, you know, I think there's time. So I think I have, you know, every entrepreneur has a disease, which is we want to, we always think the next thing is going to be the next big thing. We're like, oh, this one feature, this one thing is really going to take me to that next level. And nine times out of 10, it's not. And I think my problem, it's not, I think my, my Achilles heel, you could say, is that I'm very fast and I can, I like move really quickly and I like trying a lot of new things and starting new things. And so I've focused on hiring people that are much better operators than I am. So Chad, Eamon, Sean, 
And these guys and girls that are working at Sumo, they're better at saying, Noah, shut up. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm, and I'm not still not perfect. I'm not, not, I could be perfect one day. Um, but I'm trying to figure out how to spend more of my time in the, I like promoting people. I like promoting products and I like starting new things. So how can I allocate my time in that little realm and let the other people who enjoy potentially having more meetings, leading different teams, being more operational, run those places, which is what they really enjoy doing. And so I think it is kind of like, where are you really strong at? Spend all your day doing that. What do you suck at? Find other people that impress you. And you know when you're impressed. Like one of our symbolisms is good or great. What was that? It's good or great. Good or great. And it's because like, I think when people have values, it always sounds bullshit or bull, bull doo-doo. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh, integrity. I'm like, what's your integrity? Like you think anyone's going to put liar on their values? Yeah. If, if you put, if you don't, if you're not, if you don't have integrity, then yeah. that's a real issue. Yeah. Our company aims to be mediocre. Yeah. But good or great is, you know, kind of something that we've identified that is asking ourselves and each other, is this good or great? Like, is your work good or great? Is that teammate good or great? Are you impressed? And I think that's just something that we, I try to hire people, or I'm working on hiring people around me better than me in these other aspects, which has helped us be sustainable. I think the second thing is like, how are you evolving? Like, this is something I still don't know the answer to. Like on one hand, like we didn't really haven't really ran like the mobile app game. We never got an iPhone. We never did an Android thing really. Um, but somehow it's still we still seem to do pretty well, and we still seem to be stuck in, sticking around. Um, and so I've 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 wondered what stuff do we need to keep doing new things as we said in the beginning, or keep doing our existing thing, right? Like if you sell a trinket, like let's say you sell uh, a GoPro, right? It, it's well, it's a tech toy, so it's a little bit harder. That stuff get, gets outdated. This GoPro 5 is already past due. And, you know, DJI's kicked their butt and all these other people have kicked their butts. Um, so maybe one way to consider it, I, it, you know, I think about like In-N-Out Burger, which is like, all right, create something that's just people are always going to need. You know, create these products that should be around in 100 years. You know, people are going to probably eat food in 100 years. People are probably going to be playing board games in 100 years. Um, and I think that's something I, I come back to our business pretty often which I think this has helped us stay relevant, which is like, hey, when the recession comes, are people still going to need us? Like, we're not Apple. We don't charge Apple prices. We're like the low price. We're a value play. We always have good good deals. And it's like, guess what? When times get tough, people still want even good deals. And companies want to promote their stuff even more because they need that help. Um, I think we've done probably poorly uh, in launching a bunch of new products. What's funny about it, I was talking to David Hauser of Grasshopper, and David said to me, he launched Grasshopper, which was their core thing, and they launched these new things. And then after they sold it, he's like, you know, if I would have just put all of the, the new things, effort and money and time that we worked on into Grasshopper itself, it would have actually just even been bigger. Oh, because they did other things before. Uh, they were trying yeah, to, yeah. Like Chargify and some of these other products, which did okay. Chargify but, is still, are they, he's still part, is he still part of Chargify? Because Chargify think, is still a thing. Yeah. Pretty big. Yeah. yeah. It's just kind of interesting to think sometimes, like, if you find something that's working, um, like another example that comes to mind, like something that worked was Geico, right? People are always, legally, you have to have insurance. But I think what's interesting about Geico is that they moved from the phone to the internet. So I think that's kind of how these businesses can stay relevant, which is like you have something that they're, everyone's always going to need, but like maybe the medium of how you're selling it or the medium of how you're sharing it is, is changing. And so you have to evolve with that. So they don't change what they do, but they change how they do it. 
Oh, yeah, that's a good way of saying it. I mean, it, you could argue, like, even nowadays, nothing's really changed to some extent. Like, people are still selling things. Maybe it's a little bit easier to get it to the consumer. But And then the marketing is just going through Instagram or it's going through Facebook ads or it's going through Amazon ads. But guess what? People have been doing ads for a very long time. So now I feel like I'm going, I'm confusing myself a little bit. But the point being is that I think you have to experiment. I think there, what I've realized is that like four days a week, you should be doing your core business and, and going crazy on that. And then one day a week, you should be trying a podcast or trying an ad or trying something else because most of the like next level growth come, it does come from something new. But I would say if you found something that works, keep investing the majority of the time around that. Yeah. And a lot of the investment, it's cumulative, right? We we're talking about going, going to the float tank, that sort of thing or any of that, you do something once. Um, I always love the analogy of like brushing your teeth. You brush your teeth once, it literally does nothing for you. Like it, very little. But if you don't brush your teeth for your entire life, you're gonna have an issue very quickly. So it's one of those things, but if you do it every day consistently, you'll be, you know, great teeth for the rest of your life, that sort of thing. And a lot of these are like that, that if you're just making the same consistent, you know, moving the ball forward a little bit each day, that's what you actually have to do. Um, and there's no like little secret key you're gonna find. Oh, if you found a secret key, I think what's actually the thing I would reflect on is that if I'm running an e-commerce store, I, I would it would I would hate to be an e-commerce store these days, uh, solely for the fact of how easy it is to copy each other. And so I think where I, as an e-commerce store owner, uh, would be thinking about is like, what can I do that just no one can copy, or what can I do that I can be number one at? And like, I bought this. Uh, I have a I have a Tesla, and I bought a car cover, but you couldn't buy it on Amazon. And I was like, these mother frickers. And I was like, oh, but it's good. Guess what? It's harder to copy it on it if it's on Amazon, if it's not on Amazon. And I went and bought it through them and they control everything now. Yeah, they don't get some of the distribution, but so be it. Um, and so I think it's also like there's a store called Ale Hop. Have you heard of the store Ale Hop? No. It's, uh, it's kind of in Europe. Um, it's A-L-E Hop. So all they sell is impulse buys. Huh. So it's like basically, you know the counter at the register? Everything by the counter at the register, their whole store is that. And everything is like under 10 bucks. And so it's just like they've taken one thing and then now, and they're kind of like Trader Joe's where a lot of the products are their own. Um, but I easily see these guys getting so much, so much bigger uh, from kind of the angle they've taken, which is like, we'll either take other people's products or our own and they have to be impulse buys under 10 bucks. Yeah. And now when they created their own products, you can't copy their own products easily because uh, they just have so many, damn many of them at such a good price. And so, and that's what built the moat, right? Where now, now they have a defensible position where they have their products. Moats are kind of an interesting one because I think we all admire that and it sounds good and yada, yada. Um, but I, I think what it is is like, what are you creating that's unique? And frankly, if you're just trying to make some money, just go do some drop shipping, let it run out, milk the cow and take all the cash. But I think if you're trying to create something sustainable, it's like, what are you doing that you are the best at? Like with AppSumo, I've always believed, like, if there is a better place to promote your product, like, I will go work there. But there's not. Absolutely is the best place to play, to promote software. And so I think in all aspects, like, hey, we have the best place to promote, like, uh, washes for our car. Was it the Kevin runs, like, Miracle Mop? Something like that to wash your cars. It's like, yeah, there's no one else can copy this. So anyways, I think it's just kind of interesting. If you're trying to create some sustainable, you probably have to Yeah, I like that. So before we wrap up, 2020, what's next for Noah? Like, where are things going? Where are things headed? Yeah. I know you guys are launching a new product, but like, what else is coming down the line in the next 12, 18 months? So, it's 
instead of new things, what's actually been interesting for our business, and I'll just you know be candid about how we're thinking about it, uh, is that we have, if you look at our revenue, 85% of our revenue comes from AppSumo, 10% of our revenue comes from sumo.com, and then 5% of our revenue comes from these new products like MeetFam, SendFox, which is email marketing for content creators, KingSumo, our giveaway software, which is really popular. But all of our revenue is AppSumo. All of our expenses are on these other guys. So as we're moving to 2020, what I'm really excited about is we're doubling down on our core and figuring out how we can make AppSumo the number one marketplace online to distribute software. So that is something that I'm really excited about, which is like we're putting all of our products on AppSumo, which we, it sounds obvious, but we didn't do that. <laughs> putting all of our marketing, every single marketing is going into AppSumo and, and growing the AppSumo audience. Um, we're actually, I think of it as like the Disney model. And Disney has an, an amazing graphic, which is, Disney's like creative team and is at the core and that literally created this amazing web of like movies of the park of like accessories um, of cruises and everything is, is kind of a web that stems from the core hub same as Amazon they have their hub store which created AWS which created their products which created all these other things um, so that that's I'm really excited I'm excited to launch fam in the next few weeks I'm excited for all of us to be integrated better I'd say the one I'll tell you one business idea that I'm thinking about a lot more is that there's, there is so many more people creating so many more products, but I still think discovering cool products is actually very limited, right? Right now you kind of say, Hey, I have a problem. Let me Google Amazon. Or maybe you follow maybe some influencer and they put up one product a week because they got paid for it. But there's not really like a trusted source, kind of like AppSumo, I would say, uh, of really unique, amazing products for kind of like, you know, 25 to 40 year old male and female, um, that's highly curated and potentially has a really good offering on it, like a, a good special. So I've been kind of noodling on how we can help promote cool products, um, physical products. So that's something that I'm noodling on. So you're thinking of the AppSumo for physical products? Yeah. Ooh, okay. Maybe that's well, like 2020. Like, let's say you created a new, like um, a, let, a lettuce cleaner. What are those called? The lettuce spinners? Yeah, spinner, yep. <laughs> yeah, Charles loves lettuce. Yeah. And it's like, so if you create a new lettuce spinner, how do you promote it? Like how, like legit, if anyone created an e-commerce store, you go to Shopify or WooCommerce or whatever, another one, you put it on there and then you're like, all right, now I got to get people to buy. What do we do? Yeah, that's a good I'm point. Asking. Yeah, it'd be nice to have the, because Amazon, you tend to launch on Amazon or even your own site even worse. And there's a good chance, unless you're really good at it, there might be crickets. Um, so having that same thing, that Dale site where you know they're going to put it out on X, you know, this day, and it's going to hit an email list of, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of people, or maybe even more. And all of a sudden, they're going to see your product, and you're going to get sales like that. Um, yeah, I don't know if there is something like that right now, physical products. Yeah, exactly, dude. Okay. So I think that's where I was like, well, it, for me, my love, I love promoting products. I, I love promoting products. I love it. I can't help myself. That's how, and stuff. that's how you guys grew the business initially, right? It was, AppSumo was like the thing. It is the thing, it is bro. The thing. It's still the thing. Okay. No, no. I, I, with AppSumo, we've tried so many marketing gimmicks over 10 years. And at the end of the day, it's literally always been the exact same thing, which is promote better products. And that has been the only way that, you know, obviously we do some ads and affiliate and blah, blah, blah. But better products have, have really helped us grow our business. And so um, from there... It's like, all right, well, there's not really anywhere to do that on a physical level. And so and I love promoting cool. I love finding cool things and sharing it. So that's kind of where I'm, I'm leaning uh, moving forward. 
Awesome. Well, I what, think what do you, what's up with you in 2020? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we are growing the core business and growing this podcast. So hopefully having more guests like you on. Um, and then also, I don't know if you can actually see on the camera, but Spark Shipping here, also growing uh, growing that way as well. So, Han, so you're growing the podcast, Spark Shipping, and what was the first one? That, that, those are the two things, both the podcast. And then what, do, you have, do you have like a specific goal in mind for those two things? Uh, there are revenue goals. I should have a better goal for the podcast. This is one thing I don't, I don't have on the desktop. Um, and maybe that needs to go in there actually. Now you're making me think that. Doesn't have to, dude. Yeah. Well, I, that's why I ask you on the, on that. Cause like, I'll tell you for podcasts, you asked about goals. Last year, my goal was a hundred thousand downloads per episode of my podcast on the Noah Kagan presents podcast, a hundred thousand downloads an episode. And then after three months I was at 25,000 and I was like, there is no way possible I will ever get to a hundred thousand. And it kind of almost burnt me out. And for me, my podcast is my hobby. It's not my job. It's not my business. It's like literally I get to meet I'm, like I'm today I'm meeting a football coach. I'm just like super excited. Like I'm really I'm, I'm like really excited. I was like going to say am I nervous, but I don't think I'm nervous to like go hang out with this dude. And so uh, this year, actually, my goal, my only goal with my podcast was to do one content thing a week. Okay. One content be an interview or anything. It could be anything. It could be an email. It could be a podcast. It could be, I didn't really do YouTube, but it could be a blog post. And I did, I've done one every week and I have not looked at any other number besides that. Hmm, I like that. And that's so, a goal that you can control. I can control, I can't control how many people download my show. I can yeah. control how many guests I put on or how many unique shows I put on. I can control how much ads I run to it. But I can't control like if it's really hard to force people to go download other things. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Well, I think I might revisit some uh, goal setting right now. So awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on. Um, if people want to find you, kind of some links, where should they actually, where yeah. is the, the NOAA homepage? Yes. Go to appsumo.com and sign up for our newsletter there. If you're interested in learning more about me on the podcast world, there's no Kagan Presents podcast. If you have a store, meetfam.com, I would go check that out. Um, and then okdork.com is where I kind of centralize all of my like experiences and stories over the years. Oh, 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 oh